Did you know that WVU has an important resource for LGBTQ plus students right here on campus? Brad Grimes from the LGBTQ Center sits down with Laura Bonatesta of the Daily Athenaeum and WVU Student Media to discuss a wide array of issues impacting LGBTQ plus students and allies. All donations for the next hour will be split evenly between U92 and the LGBTQ Center, up to $500. So consider donating now at U92TheMoose.com slash pledge. All right, so just to start out, um, could you introduce yourself and tell me your title? Hi, Laura. Yeah, sure. My name is Brad Grimes. I'm program coordinator at WVU's LGBTQ Plus Center. I've been with the center for four and a half years now, and it's a pleasure to be here talking to you and your audience. Thank you so much for coming and, and chatting today. Could you tell me a little bit more about the LGBTQ Center and what resources are offered there? Absolutely. So we are an academic and advocacy unit, and we really do exactly that. We host a number of programs, events, activities that um, advocate for LGBTQ and allied students. And we also do um, educational trainings, our safe zone and transgender safe zone, healthcare safe zone, um, education safe zone that we offer um, to units on and off campus um, and by request to other like professionals throughout the state. So we do have a, a big educational component to what we do, but we really s- seek to be the home away from home for LGBTQ and allied students. It's a safe place to come, hang out, meet other people, um, to engage with trusted um, our trusted staff of three. We're very, very um, knowledgeable and always happy and welcoming people to talk to with us and help find resources for them. We have a very robust website, um, lgbtq.wvu.edu, that is really a treasure trove of campus, local, state, and national resources. So we encourage everyone to like avail themselves of that, check that out. Um, but yeah, we have a lending library of LGBTQ books and resources. Um, we're always happy, happy to help people. Um, you know, if someone wants to come talk to our staff, we're happy to like work with them to find the resources that they need to succeed and thrive here at WVU. Are there any resources that are specific to staff or faculty or wider community members? So we actually do um, special programs for faculty and staff. We have like a faculty and staff connections uh, where, where, whereby we just try to like get together um, once or twice a semester to build networks, um, foster engagement, and really just show support for our LGBTQ plus and allied faculty and staff. Um, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions regarding the LGBTQ plus community um, that you see across the state? Personally, I think that like the biggest misconception that people have about the LGBTQ plus community is that we are one monolithic group of people. And it really couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, there is such incredible diversity in the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, like think about the acronym, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer questioning, and then the plus, which is a catch-all to incorporate every other sexual and gender identity that's not in that like five-letter acronym, right? So there is an incredible range of diversity uh, going on within the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, that's an umbrella term to define so many different sexual and gender identities, right? So I think people think like, Oh, LGBTQ, they're all Democrats or they're all, you know, this or that. I mean, speaking of it as though we are a monolithic culture, but that really is just the opposite is so true. I mean, there are log cabin Republicans, which are like LGBTQ Republicans. I mean, LGBT people can be conservative. They can be progressive. They can be liberal. But I mean, not everyone shares the same political views. 
Um, the experience, I mean, you also have to take into account intersectional concerns. So, I mean, there are racial, ethnic, socioeconomic um, factors that play into um, everyone's experiences. So the lived experiences of Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are LGBTQ are going to be very different than um, the experiences for white LGBTQ people. Um, socioeconomic factors play um play a part so we're just really a diverse group there is no like people i I, just, I laugh when i hear people think or people say like you know oh all gays or all trans people because there's just not that uniformity we're a very diverse community what issues or struggles do you find are common among um students that are part of this community mm-hmm. so one thing that i i see is that um Students coming into the university, like first-year students, frequently experience anxiety about coming out. So um, we have had a couple programs that like focus on, like for National Coming Out Day, we have a, a program that helps students talk about and process and kind of prepare for coming out. Um, we recognize that you know coming out can be scary. And it actually, you know, depending on how it goes, if it's well-received or not, um, if it's met with support and affirmation or if it's not, um, it can really take a toll on people. So we always encourage young people to have a safety plan before they come out, making sure that they have um, a safe place to stay should their parents react badly and kick them out of the house, uh, making sure that they have a little kind of savings nest egg to support them if they are forced to like suddenly live on their own, um, you know, again. So all of these things, um, we work with other units on campus, the Caruth center, um, and we engage and collaborate with units across campus to help our, our LGBTQ students, um, deal with things that they need to deal with. Um, what ways do you think our state, um, could, better support or be more inclusive um, towards this community? Sure. So I think one important thing, I mean, a lot of people don't may not realize this, but unlike WVU, which has a non-discrimination policy that's inclusive of sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, the state of West Virginia does not actually have those, those protections for those groups in the state's non-discrimination policy. So one thing that the state could do is, uh, is pass... Um, a comprehensive non-discrimination policy that does, in fact, include and protect sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. One great thing that the state is doing, um, at least it has here, here, here up to now, is um, allow municipalities to pass ordinances of their own um, that do have these enhanced protections for um, sexual orientation, gender identity, and, and gender expression. By protections, I mean non-discrimination policies, right? So that you can't be um, fired or lose housing because of your sexual orientation or your gender identity or expression. Um, so currently, there are 16 states or municipalities in the state that um, have these municipal ordinances um, and these like non-discrimination policies. Sadly, there's rumors of attempts in the legislature to um, pass a, a bill that would prohibit um, the formation of more, of further um, municipal ordinances, and even a, a system whereby, like, someone could get a petition 
and have these um, ordinances overturned. So that's alarming. We don't, certainly don't want to see as the state moving backward in this regard. Um, there are a few bills that are currently making their way through the legislature right now during our legislative mm-hmm. session, um, one of those being uh, HB 2007, um, which limits gender-affirming sur- surgeries for um, individuals under 18, another being um, th- uh HB 3097, which uh, prohibits Medicaid and um, other payments for gender reassignment surgery. Um, what concerns do you have relating to current legislation that are is going through our legislature? Sure. I'm happy to share that. I will preface that with uh, the statement that these are my personal views as a private citizen. I, I don't speak on behalf of the the LGBTQ plus center or the university. So, you know, my views are not necessarily reflecting the centers or the universities. Um, but these bills are concerning to me. They, they are purported to be centered around protecting youth. But my concern is that they actually cause great harm to youth who are um, gender diverse or transgender. Um, studies, I mean, the studies and the statistics show that trans and gender nonconforming youth have such higher rates of suicide. And so when we make it impossible for um, youth with diagnoses of gender dysphoria um, or just a pronounced sense of disease, distress and discomfort with their, their bodies and things, when we prohibit them from being able to transition to live in congruence with their gender identity, um, we're actually doing these children great harm. And so we're increasing the likelihood of these these young people um, committing self-harm, I mean, or suffering needless depression and anxiety up to and including suicide. So that's the concern. Uh, You know, the young people who really need the psychological relief of being able to live their lives um, according to their, their gender identity won't be able to do so. And then with the Medicaid, um, restricting Medicaid funding for gender-affirming health care, I think that's just wrong because, you know, in West Virginia, very many people rely on Medicaid as their sole um, insurance. I mean, they wouldn't be able to receive health care but for Medicaid. And so if we're talking about an already vulnerable population, trans and gender nonconforming youth, right? So you take away the really the someone's only option of getting health care and you're putting someone at an extra dis- disservice. Um, I think, as you mentioned, a lot of these these bills do kind of focus on youth um, in, in who they affect. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, these youth are going to grow older and many of them may become WVU students. Um, how do you hope uh, the LGBTQ Center and our WVU community will be able to support um, these youth that will be affected by these um, bills should they pass mm-hmm. um, when they get here? So we will work closely with, like again, community partners, campus partners. We'll do everything in our power and everything possible to make sure that the support networks are there. Um, and that we offer resources to the LGBTQ and trans students who, you know, will be impacted by these laws. Um, it's early, and I mean, we're not there yet, and hopefully we won't be there. Um, but we'll see how like, our, our support 
and our resources evolve, you know, as, as if that happens. How do you think our specific campus community and greater Morgantown community can be better supportive? We talked a little bit about how the state can, but mm-hmm. be better supportive of current and future LGBTQ students. Right. So I think that like there are simple things that folks can do. Um, people may think, you know, this isn't my community. It's not my experience. I don't, you know, I don't know much about it. And why should I? But I think that it's really important that, you know, people avail themselves of opportunities to get educated about this. My, my personal feelings are that, you know, just because you're not LGBTQ doesn't mean that your child, your brother or sister, your family member, your someone that you care about, someone that you love won't be or isn't, right? So somewhere down the road, you're likely to like be impacted by, and you're likely to encounter someone who is LGBTQ plus. Um, taking the time to educate yourself, becoming an ally, um, just being knowledgeable, I think it's going to serve you well when someone you know and someone you love comes out to you. So as you know, it's almost Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. um, which is a huge marketing holiday. Um, and a lot of the time, the LGBTQ community, um, LGBTQ plus, I should say, um, is often left out of those marketing method, marketing efforts. Um how do you think companies could be more inclusive towards this community? So I think for a long time, LGBTQ folks were excluded and marginalized from that marketing. But I'm really encouraged today. Um, I'm kind of encouraged and I'm kind of chagrined because on the one hand, like I see so much more LGBTQ plus inclusion in, in media. Um, there's a Hallmark uh, Christmas show featuring LGBTQ leads, like an LGBTQ storyline, right? Um, I know that networks are, are are doing a better job of like having LGBTQ plus characters. I see commercials featuring same sex couples and just div- a greater diversity than I think ever before. So that's encouraging, but I'm also mindful that you know the bottom line is money, and so it it makes it's just prudent, I think, for them to try to like you know, capture as many lavender dollars, if you will, um, like to capture that gay segment, that LGBTQ segment, and to make money off of them. So I want to think that it's um, rooted in inclusivity and diversity and just an effort to to be more equal and um, to, to market to people evenly. My concern is that it's really just a marketing ploy and that it's just a chance to capture another demographic. I've heard that concept also described as, as rainbow capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are better ways to be inclusive of that community without falling into those ploys? I think, you know, in broad strokes, just putting your money where your mouth is. Like, so if you're going to market and market yourself as rainbow capitalist and like, you know, you're going to do all these things. Make sure that like these companies are also supporting LGBTQ programs, whether that's for youth or whether that's for LGBTQ elders. Um, making sure that like within those companies, they have LGBTQ people in the upper levels of management. And like, are they just talking it or are they like living their values? Right? Is does the board of governors have LGBTQ people on it? Is there are there LGBTQ people in upper management? So just taking a, a quick look, you know, at the corporate culture. Is it talk for like out there or is it happening internally? 
Thank you so much for coming in and taking the time to chat with me today. We've covered a lot of the questions that I had for you. Do you have any other final thoughts about anything that we've spoken about so far? You mentioned Valentine's Day. So I do want to do a a quick plug, a shameless promotion for our um, upcoming event. So on Valentine's Day from 4 to 530, we are hosting an Ace Arrow Social. And by ace and arrow, we're talking about asexual, aromantic. Um, we recognize that Valentine's Day is um, traditionally such a heavily, the, the focus is so heavily on sexual and romantic love, coupling, all that kind of thing. What we're aiming to do with this social is bring people together who are asexual, who identify as asexual or aromantic, and, you know, express their love in, in asexual and aromantic ways. So it's, it's a, a community-building effort. We would love to see everyone that's going to be held at um, the LGBTQ Center at Maple House, and that will be from 4 to 5 o'clock on um, Tuesday, February 14th. That sounds like a really neat event. Is there a website where students or Yes, so, so our website, lgbtq.wvu.edu, go to the Events tab. Uh, you can like find out, um, you can register there and find out all the, a lot more information about the programs that we're going to offer this month and every month. Neat. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing pleasure. that with me. Um, yeah, thank you, and thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. This has been a special conversation with Brad Grimes of WVU's LGBTQ Plus Center. Check out other conversations as part of this series in podcast form at unitedtothemoose.com and thedaonline.com. Thank you.